ESPN Radio. It's Kenny and Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN <laughs> Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We want you guys to tap in on the conversation. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's how you get on board. And, Freddie, it's scary hours down in Philadelphia because they came up the turnpike <laughs> to play the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden, and it seemed like it was going to get ugly early. Now, I will give the Knicks credit for fighting back late in that third quarter and early in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but it was too much James Harden and too much Joel Embiid for them to be able to mount a successful effort. And what I will say is in the two-game sample size that we have of the Sixers with James Harden, this is going to be a really tough out in the Eastern Conference. The combination of him and and Joel Embiid in the high pick and roll is going to be absolutely deadly, and there were several instances where that could not be more obvious in Sunday's game against the New York Knicks. And it was clear that Tibbs, the Knicks head coach, did not have any answers as to how to slow down that duo. So this is going to be one of those teams that we've got to pay attention to down the stretch in the NBA regular season and clearly a team that's going to be capable of making a deep playoff run. Here's something else about the Sixers, and the one thing I want everybody to understand. I'm not going to disrespect them after two games because I knew what I was going to see, but not to that level that we saw from Joel Embiid that we saw from James Harden having that kind of chemistry that early. It also helps they had two defenses that not exactly stellar defenses, Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks. So I don't want to rain in that parade. It's the NBA. You got to play the people that are in front of you. But I don't want to hear the lazy narrative that I've heard time and time again. Chris, when this trade was announced that, well, you know, James Harden, he can't play well in big games. Look, James Harden has had more than enough success in big games in the regular season but the failures in the playoffs to put all that on him with the Houston Rockets. And some people tried to do that with the Brooklyn Nets when he was essentially playing on one leg last year in that series versus Milwaukee. To me, that's a lazy narrative because you don't want to see James Harden succeed or you don't believe that James Harden is going to succeed. You use previous events that tell us exactly what's going to happen in the future. Now, full disclosure, I want to see if he can be able to do it in the playoffs as well, but mm-hmm. not to that narrative. I want to see if he can be the perfect Robin, which it seems to be right now the two games to the Batman that is Joel Embiid. That's why I want to see exactly how this is going to work. Joel Embiid, I know he's, I believe he's going to play well in the playoffs. Can James Harden be that consistent guy where they can play off each other so well like we've seen the first couple of games? That's when I want to see exactly how that's going to work, not because of what happened in the past with different situations that had nothing to do with Joel Embiid. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you on that one. If you look at James Harden's career, Outside of Kevin Durant, you can make an argument that Joel Embiid is the best player that he would have played with. And so when you look at how this Sixers team is constituted and the style of play that they have, this is a team that's built to play really good defense. And then offensively, this has been a team that throughout the course of the regular season, even before James Harden got there, they get to the free throw line regularly. In the two games that James Harden has been on the Sixers, Philadelphia shot 80 free throws including Joel Embiid having 27 attempts yesterday in Madison Square Garden. So this is a team that's going to find a way to be able to create easy buckets. They forced 18 turnovers on the Knicks yesterday, and that led to 22 Sixers points. And then the way that they share the ball on the offensive end, especially in the half-court offense, you're talking about Philly having 38 makes from the field on 28 assists. 
That's the value of James Harden. This team, when Harden is on the court in the two games, shoots a full 10% better from the field with him being on the court as opposed to him being off the court. That shows you that it's easy to quantify the value of James Harden and what he brings to the table and that what Daryl Morey gave up to the, to the Brooklyn Nets in order to get him down in Philly wasn't too much because now you're talking about a team that had a net zero in Ben Simmons now having a guy that's capable of playing at an MVP level in James Harden alongside another guy that's the favorite yeah. to win the MVP this season. That changes the upside, the ceiling on what this Philadelphia Sixers team can be this season. There's no doubt in my mind, no one's going to remember who they gave up if the Philadelphia 76ers win the NBA championship. Nobody's going to talk about giving up Andre Drummond. We're not talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar here. Nothing mm. is Andre Drummond. We're talking about him. You can find guys like that anywhere. They already have one called Joel Embiid, a better version of Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. They gave up a Seth Curry, the third best Curry in the family of shooters, behind Gaddy, <laughs> Dell, and Steph. That's where that goes. So we're not talking about they're talking about quality pieces, but we're not talking about guys that are difference makers from that standpoint. James Harden, whether you like him or you don't like him, Chris, and I know you do and I know I do, he's a difference maker. We've seen that, that when he's right, he can really take over a game. He can control the game. He can control the pace of the game. Everybody's able to raise their level and get better shots. So if you're trying to tell me that Daryl Morey gave up so much or too much for James Harden, well, look at what he gave up. Three guys in which one of those guys, we don't know if Ben Simmons, when he's going to be back in the basketball court. That's an unknown. He gave also two unknowns when it comes to draft picks. If you're trying to tell me that that was too much to give up James Harden, then you might need to take a look at yourself and say, wait a minute, we need to weigh value when it comes to James Harden, what he brings to the table, considering compared to future unknowns that nobody knows what they're going to do and what Ben Simmons is going to ask you going to do when he gets back on the basketball court, whenever that's going to be. Yeah, Freddie C. Cosign retweet, especially when it comes to the draft picks. I, I wonder if Les Snead, the GM for the Rams, will let Daryl Morey borrow <laughs> the T-shirt that he wore well at the done. parade if, if, if the Sixers win the chip this year when it comes to those draft picks. But here's our very own Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, on how the Sixers going to the line is going to benefit them because they've been doing an awful lot of that since James Harden got on his team. On an average night, they're going to shoot 20-plus free throws combined. That's what it's going to look like. And, and as a result, you control games when you can get to the line to that extent because you're constantly setting up your half-court defense. You know, it's one thing to get to the line. The luxury that, that this team has their star players convert to free throws. I mean, Joel Embiid is a guy, he's, a, he's that rare big that you can run your offense through in important moments, get fouled, and count on him making both free throws. James Harden, the same thing. So you're putting points on the board, you're putting teams in foul trouble, you're getting into the bonus early in quarters, and you're also allowing your defense to play more of a half-court game. Yeah, and Freddie C., that's one of the things that we've seen from James Harden, even if you want to go back to when he was in Houston – He was a master at being able to draw fouls, whether he's handling the ball on the perimeter or he's getting to the rim. He's going to get to the free throw line. The same thing that we see with Joel Embiid. Matter of fact, Joel Embiid fouled out Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims yesterday Mm. in that Knicks game, two of the Knicks bigs. He fouled those guys out. So it just shows you that both of those guys are going to be capable of getting to the line consistently and converting those into points. Now, in terms of the entertainment value, it might represent a brand of basketball that's hard to watch. So Sixers fans, get ready for some 245 to three-hour <laughs> games. Wow. But but this is a situation where their formula for success is going to be one that translates well to postseason basketball. And I think that's that's a part of the math, a part of the value 
to James Harden, and that's also got to be factored into the equation when trying to determine who got the best of the trade between Ben uh, uh, Ben Simmons and James Harden. So I like where the Sixers are at. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as Joel Embiid did in the postgame and say that they're unstoppable. No. But this is going to be a tough out, and I certainly feel like a team that's going to be in the top three in the Eastern Conference when it comes to that battle to get to the NBA Finals. They're a top three team. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But I think we're using that word pressure, Chris, with the wrong people. Mm. To me, it's on Doc Rivers, the Philadelphia 76ers head coach, to make sure that this is going to work. It can't just be on Joel Embiid and James Harden. If you're Doc Rivers, you got to make sure that guys are going to be deployed properly to make sure that Joel Embiid and James Harden can have that pressure reduced on them and conversely have that pressure reduced on those players as well. We know what the deal is. We know what time it is that people are going to say, hey, James Harden, James Harden, James Harden, you got to make this work, got to make this work. But if you're Doc Rivers, especially based on what happened last year in the couple of playoff series, the year before, three to one, didn't close out the Denver Nuggets. Last year, what happened against the Atlanta Hawks when you had that series and you didn't close that out? To me, if anybody should have the most pressure regarding this trade, to me, it's Doc Rivers because he's really got to make sure you got two home run hitters, make sure both of those guys get the right kind of at-bats and have the secondary guys show up to help them in that lineup. No doubt about it. But Daryl Morey is under a lot of pressure too, Freddie. We can't make any mistake about that. When you look at these two games that they've played with James Harden, you recognize instantly the lack of depth coming off of the bench. And that's my biggest concern because when you looked at the Sixers starters outside of Matisse Thibel, you're talking about all of those guys being 35-plus minutes played in that game against the Knicks. And I don't know that that's sustainable when it comes to the long-term health of those guys, particularly Joel Embiid and James Harden. Those are guys that have an extensive injury history. And so having them available for the games that matter the most is going to have to be something that we watch. And and going back to Doc Rivers, there's going to be pressure on him to manage the minutes of those guys to make sure that they got their legs under them once we get to the playoffs. So that will be something for us to watch. But now we got to turn our attention back to the NFL and the ongoing situation with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And we're also going to talk about the landscape of the NFC when it comes to quarterback. That's Nets. You're listening to Freddie Coleman and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio. Now we have Kyler Murray. He doesn't follow the Cardinals anymore. If you are part of the Cardinals organization, what are you thinking right now? We've given this dude everything that he needed to be successful. If he hadn't been successful, that's a him problem. Why would you not follow your team that you play for on social media? I guess it all comes down to how you define success. This is Coleman and Canty on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at Coleman ESPN at Chris Candy 99. And you heard it in the rejoin right there, Freddie C. <laughs> Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals are not seeing eye to eye. And it's been going in this direction for several weeks now. We saw the week leading up to the Super Bowl where Kyler Murray scrubbed his social media account of any mention of the Arizona Cardinals. We thought it was a potential rift there. Then we got reports from Chris Mortensen and others that the Cardinals weren't exactly sold on Kyler Murray being the long-term answer at quarterback, citing some maturity issues and the way that he related to some teammates and executives within the organization. And now we have this latest bombshell from Kyler Murray's representation. His agent, Eric Burkhart, releases a statement saying that he's made overtures to the organization, spelling out a contract proposal in detail 
the Cardinals have not met that with with the the the, the I, I guess the greeting mm-hmm. that Eric Burkhart and Kyler Murray were expecting, and now it seems like this is headed toward an ugly, dragged out dispute publicly between the quarterback and the franchise. And based on the tone that I'm getting, the response that I'm seeing from analysts with our company and people in the football world, they're meeting this with a lot of animus directed toward Kyler Murray. And I don't understand why they don't keep that same energy for one Aaron Rodgers. I get that it's not apples to apples, but when it comes to a quarterback trying to dictate to the organization in order to have the things that he wants – why is it good for Aaron Rodgers, and why is it not good for Kyler Murray? Just just curious. Okay, I'll answer that question in this way, no, two ways. Number one, Aaron Rodgers has earned that equity. Kyler Murray just finished his third NFL season. Mm. And how much do we hear about, and you know this, Chris, from playing in the NFL, there's always talk about pecking order. Even if you have that kind of ability, you got to wait your turn, all that stuff. And the Cardinals decide to employ that kind of strategy when it comes to Kyler Murray. So that's why he's not getting the same kind of grief. Never mind the fact with Aaron Rodgers, this shows how much stroke he had the Green Bay Packers. He literally flouted the rules of not being vaccinated in the National Football League with his team. Not one person dived him out. Not one anonymous <laughs> source. Not somebody close to Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL insider. Not one person said, hey, hey, Adam, come here. Yeah, man, Aaron Rodgers, man, he's unvaccinated. He's just all over the place. Not one person said a word. And then when he was busted and disgusted, not one person said this was bad for the organization. They said, oh, you know, that's just Aaron being Aaron. Kyler Murray is not even anywhere near close to that situation. And the Arizona Cardinals want him to know his place. Aaron Rodgers knows his place. And he got away with it because he's Aaron Rodgers. Kyler Murray, they do not want him to have anywhere near that kind of stroke. That's why it's not surprising that we hear these immature issues and these immaturity things being thrown at Kyler Murray when, let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers was far more immature from a health standpoint than Kyler Murray wanting more money and also better maybe charging the organization in terms of say-so going forward. Well, here's the thing, Freddie C., and I get exactly what you're saying because Aaron Rodgers has done a lot more in this league than Kyler Murray. There's no doubt about that. But it's also a matter of leverage. And in Aaron Rodgers' case, the alternative for Green Bay, if they weren't going to acquiesce to his demands, was turning to Jordan Love. And clearly that franchise wasn't prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at the Kyler Murray situation, what 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 are the Cardinals' alternative to Kyler Murray being their starting quarterback? That's the big question that I have because, yeah, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the conference. He might be one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the National Football League. But when we start power ranking the quarterbacks in the NFC, okay. how far down the line is Kyler Murray? He's not number one. No. He's probably not number two when you have Matt Stafford okay. or Russell Wilson. Okay. But when we start having that debate around the fourth quarterback okay. with, with the likes of Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott and Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins. Who? Exactly. The guy that's <laughs> just good enough to get you fired. <laughs> I, I think that Kyler Murray has a case to be made for being that dude, that fourth quarterback, it ain't but four divisions, and when we start looking at the NFC, the NFC West is clearly the toughest of the lot. So if you're Arizona, you need a difference maker at the quarterback position, and Kyler Murray in his first three years has certainly proven that. You're talking about a 24-year-old quarterback that's already made two Pro Bowls and guided a team to the playoffs in his third season, keeping in mind that when the team drafted him, they had three wins the year prior. I'm just saying you got to keep things in perspective when evaluating the true value of what the player brings to the franchise. Well, I'm not going to take him over Russell Wilson. I'll still take Russell Wilson with Kyler Murray right now. 
that can change. Russell Wilson getting older. Kyler Murray, he's hoping to come into his prime of his career. You could not. So play. you said you would take Kyler Murray over Russell no, Wilson? I would, no, I would not take him over okay. Russell Wilson. I would not okay. take him over Dak Prescott. I'd take him over Matt Ryan. I'd take him over Jimmy G. Jimmy G, excuse me. I'd take him over Kirk Cousins. But I wouldn't take him over those two guys. What I, about Matt Stafford? Because you didn't mention his name. No, I wouldn't. No, I think you got it right. With Aaron Rodgers one, I would say Matthew in the NFC, Matthew Stafford's number two. Ooh. And, yeah, I would take him over Isn't Kyler Isn't it amazing Murray. how that thing has changed with Matt Stafford, though? I mean, when, see, when he came over from Seattle, we said it was championship or bust for the Rams, but nobody thought that Matt Stafford would surpass what we looked at him versus how we look at Russell Wilson. Nobody thought that that would happen in 2021, and yet here we are in a position where we're willing to say clearly that mm-hmm. Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. Well, see, I'm glad I was never a prisoner of that moment because a lot of people were saying that after the Super Bowl. People were saying that, Chris, before the Super Bowl. Well, for his legacy – if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, how can we consider him a great quarterback? And I almost would put my eyes out of my goddamn head when he said something <laughs> like that because I could not believe that people were saying stuff like that to say, wait a minute, did you forget what he did in Detroit? All those years with that organization, he played above that organization for years. And all of a sudden you're saying that now he wins the Super Bowl? That makes him a great quarterback? Are you completely mad out of your minds to even say something like that? Matthew Stafford has been a great quarterback despite his organization. Kyler Murray does not want to be in the same situation. He does, want to ha- he does not have to have the potential to overplay or outreach his organization. That's why he's making this demand right now to say, look, I want to be here. But if you guys don't trust and value me that kind of way, you know what? We may need to have a parting of the ways. He does not want to be in the same position other quarterbacks have been in where the best years of their careers were taken away because of that organization. Then they had to get traded somewhere else and hope that it was going to work out. Kyler Murray does not want that to happen to him, and he's determined to make sure that's not going to happen to him. Yeah, I mean, as a player, you either got to sell me on winning or you got to sell me on getting paid. And if you're the Arizona Cardinals, there isn't a whole lot of goodwill built up amongst players in terms of the perception of your organization because Malcolm Bidwell and family have been notoriously cheap. So if you're Kyler Murray, (laughs) you're going to push the envelope and trying to get your money. And every NFL player knows that your next play – could be your last play. So I don't begrudge a guy for trying to swing the hammer when he has leverage over the organization. And clearly, Kyler Murray is in a position of leverage. So this is definitely going to be a story that we got to watch as the offseason unfolds. I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is going anywhere, but I know the Arizona Cardinals ain't going anywhere unless he's under center come the start of the 2022 season. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easily, easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, we stay in the NFL with an old friend of the program and a former teammate of mine, Swagoo, joins the show next. You're listening to Freddie Coleman, Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. You're listening to Kenny and Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, Freddie C., we got to go out to the hotline to bring on my former teammate, ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears, who's also the co-host of the Swaggle and Perk podcast. And, Freddie C., what a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. about Marcus Spears is that once upon a time, he was a McDonald's All-American in basketball coming out of high school. So we definitely got to get his take on what he's seen from James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers in the two games that they played this weekend. 
But, Big Fella, the place I want to start with you is the NFL news of the day, and that is the public rift between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals organization. Now, I know we had a saying in the locker room, when you got the hammer, you better swing it. When you have leverage over a team, you absolutely got to exercise it to get your money. I know a lot of differences of opinion on Kyler Murray's agent releasing that statement. Where do you come down on whether or not the Cardinals should pay Kyler Murray and how he's trying to go about getting his bag? First of all, it's good to talk to you, my brothers. I hope all is well on y'all's side of the country, parts of the earth, wherever y'all at. All right? That's number one. Uh-huh. Now, now, let's get to this business, C2. Uh, America, that's what I call Chris Cancer. What up, Freddie? What up? Um, what up? Kyler Murray, in this particular situation, in, in my humble opinion, with, with his agent as well, Burkhardt, seems very desperate. All right? These are... These are what we've grown accustomed to as kind of last resort. We've been going through contract negotiations for an extended period of time. The organization doesn't want to buzz, so now we're going to take it and put it in the court of public opinion. Nobody's going to argue that right now as we stand today that Kyler Murray is probably the best option going forward for the Arizona Cardinals, unless you could get – probably Aaron or Russ or Deshaun with all of his situations going on. So I'm not going to talk about this like Kyler Murray is not a guy um, that you can win with or have success with. Now, with that being said, I need to see more out of Kyler Murray consistently, okay? And when we start talking about contracts, and when when you throw in that you want to make it something comparable to the market in which quarterbacks are in, then we starting at $40 million. Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but that's what we starting at annually. I'm sure that's, that, that, that's what they're thinking. When ultimately, when you look at Kyler Murray at this point in his career, and the last time we saw him out on the field, it's not been successful. Right now, the Cardinals and what Kyler Murray has been able to do doesn't tell you that we have reached that point yet, especially with time left on his contract, to say, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and give him $45 million a year, and then we'll figure out what we'll do around him. I just have a hard time with with kind of the the public letter, the public uh, ask, and what you're talking to the organization about when you're in no position. And, yeah, see, too, we could talk leverage, leverage and Freddie. We could talk – well, Kyler has leverage, and Kyler can do this. Man, listen, here's the thing. When I think about Kyler Murray right now at the quarterback position, he has leverage because of Kyler Murray dynamic plays. He does not have leverage when it comes to consistently playing the quarterback position mm. at a very high level. And 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 those two things can be true at the same time, and that's how I feel about it. So it just feels a bit desperate to me. It feels a bit early to go public with something like that about a contract uh, situation. And this is what I want people to do too. Forget about every damn thing else you heard in that letter outside of we sent the contract proposal. This is about money. This mm-hmm. ain't got nothing to do with nothing else. Based on all what right, you that's did, all I got. No, no, that, 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 that's all you got, number one. That's always good. Number two, based on what you said, how much of this desperation from Kyler Murray and his agent is because he's heard some of these same things that he did not make public regarding maybe what the Cardinals may have said to him, Swagoo? Yeah, I to see that it could be the case and and you know all the the anonymous source is always tricky especially for people in our business because it's like somebody wanted it to get out but what was somebody's motivation 
to get it out, right? And I, I just I don't like deciphering between that. I, I like that. I like that we heard from Kyler, even though we breaking down what or or his agent. I like that they said something, but I don't like the contract part of that, right? right? If you want to dispute some aspersions that somebody has cast on you that you feel is untrue or false or hurting you publicly as far as your 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 perception and how people look at your leadership, I'm all for that, man. Come at me. Come at Chris Canty. Come at Freddie Cole. Come at us if we are saying something that you vehemently disagree about. So I'm cool with that, right? But ultimately, when you think about this situation in it, in in its entirety, Tyler's best move is to sit back, low key, watch how things develop, go out there and throw for forty five hundred, thirty five touchdowns, and lead his team to maybe pass a first round playoff situation. And then there is nothing to talk about. Those reports won't come out. Those things won't be said. But but I want you guys as well as everybody else to pay attention to what is happening here. Because if Kyler Murray had played above a level that Arizona had in his mind, those reports would have been refuted immediately. It would have been some statement coming out of that building saying this is false. It's not true. Kyler is a great leader. We love what he's doing. All of those things would have been said, and they would have been reiterated over and over again. But the fact that we got to get here and the fact that Kyler Murray's agent has to come out and say these type of things on his behalf, it kind of raises my eyebrow about, well, are some of these things true? The voice you hear is that of ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears on ESPN Radio. And, Marcus, I I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I got to ask you, because you do a podcast with Big Perk and because you're a hoops aficionado, what did you make of what you saw in the garden yesterday with James Harden and Joel Embiid going to work against the Knicks? I love everything about it, C2. Now it's the Knicks. Let's keep everything in perspective. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, but, 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 but I think when you have these two guys with the ability to connect as fast as they have, right? Like I'm paying attention. Joel Embiid can get 30 sleepwalking. James Harden get 30 sleepwalking. But I'm, I'm super impressed with Joel Embiid going to the free throw line 27 times and James Harden getting there 10 times as well because that's what they do against mostly everybody. And this is the same 76ers team that has pushed and beat some of the teams that we consider to be finals contenders or teams that we think will be in the finals. But James Harden, and this is what I want people to understand, you can hate what he did in Houston and how he wanted to get out. You can hate what he did in Brooklyn. James Harden needs a championship. Mm. James Harden doesn't have what all of his friends have. Him and him and Chris Paul are the only ones a part of that crew without a ring. And I think what James Harden is going to do, not only his ability to score the basketball, but his ability to facilitate and, 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 and take a back seat to what Joel Embiid, who is the MVP in the league right now, is doing, says a lot about what his goal is. And that's what I saw against the New York Knicks. We we saw the synergy between these guys, understanding how to play together. And remember, y'all, when when, when James was in Houston, he got Clint Capella paid $80 million. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay? So let's not get it twisted about James Harden and his ability to make guys around him better. He's been doing that for a long time. Last year with Brooklyn, when he had to take over the point guard position, he was a facilitator. 
he was averaging triple-doubles. He was facilitating this, taking a step back to KD. I understand the situation that happened in Brooklyn. I think the 76ers are legit finals contenders. I believe they can win the East. And I think more than anything with James Harden and Joel Embiid watching them the other night is that they do not care at the end of the night what that stat line is as long as they get that W and that championship is in view. And that's what it takes for the stars. That's why on the other end of this discussion, we like, what the hell happened to Russell Westbrook and the Lakers? Oh, oh you ain't have to bring that up, bro. You ain't have to I'm bring sorry, that up. But, my bad, my bad. Yeah, that hurts. You know I'm my a bad. Lakers fan. You know I'm a Lakers fan. But listen, your spot, your, your, your swaggoo, you're spot on when it comes to facilitating Joel Embiid's greatness. That's what James Harden is doing in Philadelphia, at least through the first couple of games. And just yeah. like James Harden is doing that for Joel Embiid, you're doing that for us on ESPN Radio, so we appreciate Amen. a few moments of your time, bro, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Man, y'all know it's all love anytime, fellas. Y'all have a good one. All right, there That's it is. Funny. That's ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears, who's also the co-host of the Swaggle and Perk podcast. You guys, if you hadn't heard that before, you need to check it out. Do yourself a favor. But Freddie C., coming up, you just heard Swaggle's opinion on Kyler Murray's situation. We got some other people on the other side of that conversation, including yours truly. We'll have that for you. We'll break it all down. You're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. In 2016, Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel during the national anthem in peaceful protest of police brutality and racial injustice. Although he hasn't played in the NFL since that season, Kaepernick has become a leading civil rights activist, raising awareness and millions of dollars for underserved communities across the country. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. ESPN Radio. I don't know how you can hear this beat and not nod your head, Freddie C. I don't know how it's even possible. It is impossible. Yeah, I'm just saying. This is this is just one of those that you got to get your head bob on. You're listening to Freddie Coleman and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Freddie C., we got to revisit the Cardinals conversation <laughs> because we just heard from the big swagoo, Marcus Spears, our very own ESPN NFL analyst, and he was making the point that Kyler Murray had yet to prove that he is definitively the franchise quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, even though the Cardinals don't have a viable alternative as their starter. Now, I, for one, think that Kyler Murray has a tremendous amount of leverage just because if he's not your starting quarterback, he's torpedoing your 2022 season. Now, that's not to say that GM Steve Kahn wouldn't make some moves if we seem like we're deadlocked and we're heading toward a situation where Murray could potentially hold out. But the reality is that based on where Kyler Murray is contracted is contractually, knowing that the team controls his rights for three more seasons effectively, it, it would be hard to be able to get the Cardinals to move off of their position of wanting to pay him later as opposed to sooner. Players are no longer afraid of challenging ownership in the National Football League. And I go back, Chris, to back when the lockout happened in the NFL and then when the NBA lockout happened, and all the NBA players were more in lockstep with the owners, and the owners pretty much gave the NBA players what they wanted. And I said, man, so many NFL players are looking at this saying, why can't we have the same thing in our league? We're starting to see it little by little. It's not going to be a wide-swept, sweeping progression when it comes to this. 
But, Chris, more than ever before, players, especially in the NFL, they are starting to realize their power. The owners don't want them to ever realize that. They're never going to win lockout battles. Owners mm. always going to wear that. But that doesn't mean you can't win individual, individual money shootouts because we've seen it work. We've seen it work for Aaron Rodgers. And we're going to find exactly if we're going to see that from a guy like Kyler Murray with this situation in the Arizona Cardinals. No doubt. And we know the new rules with the collective bargaining agreement make it next to impossible for a player to actually hold out and be away from the team. But what we've seen is players actually hold in, Mm -hmm. show up to training camp. They're not practicing. They might do some individual drills, but they're not playing in any games. They're waiting until teams give them that financial commitment. We've seen players do that the past couple of years. And there is the potential for Kyler Murray to execute that game plan if his representation wants to go down that road. But Marcus Spears said it. This seems like a desperate move. Yeah. Being able to make this uh, make this something for public consumption. The fact that you're putting this letter out there means that the overtures that you've made for a contract extension have not been met with the attitude that you want the Cardinals organization to to greet you with. So. It's going to be interesting to see where things are at. Now, we had a caller on, Don from Dallas, earlier in the show, and it led to a little bit of a back and forth between me and Don about this Kyler Murray situation. Let's take a listen. Can we agree that Kyler Murray is underpaid relative to the production that he's bringing to the table for the Arizona Cardinals? Can we agree on that? Can we agree on that? Don, 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 Don. Forget about where he drafted him. I'm talking about current value to the franchise. Is Kyler Murray worth more or less than $5.5 million? Hold on. They drafted uh, him. No, 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 Don. I'm just asking you a question. <laughs> I don't need the, 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 the history lesson about where they drafted Kyler Murray. Is he worth more than $5.5 million to the Arizona Cardinals today? Yes or no? If he was a six-round draft pick, yes. Okay, Don. I, I, I don't know what you I, Don. I don't know what you want me to say. He was taken number one overall and has lived up to the expectations. The guy has changed the culture with the Arizona Cardinals. They have had incremental improvement every year. He's been the starter. Five, ten, and one the first year. Eight and eight the second year. Eleven and six this year. Made the playoffs. What more do you want from him? He was drafted. They were a three-win team. What, what do you want from him? Yeah, Freddie, see, I try not to let the callers get my blood pressure to go that high, but in the instance of Don and Dallas, I had to make an exception because he was trying to go through the history lesson and saying that he's the number one overall pick and this is exactly what he should be doing. When we've seen number one overall picks, especially quarterbacks, fail miserably, look at where Jared Goff is right now. That was the number one overall pick by the L.A. Rams back in 2016, and they just won the Super Bowl with another number one overall pick that they traded Jared Goff, his contract, in two first-round draft picks to Detroit in order to acquire. So it just goes to show you that when you're a number one overall pick, it doesn't necessarily work out like the organization plans. But in the case of Kyler Murray alongside Cliff Kingsbury, it has. So I don't understand why the organization is waffling when it comes to making the financial commitment to Murray long-term because the alternative is you're back in the draft after having miserable seasons, trying to find a guy that's capable of doing what Kyler's doing now. Five words, because they are the Cardinals. There it is. Point blank, period. (laughs) I guess it doesn't warrant any more explanation. It is what it is. That's what bad franchises do. And I keep saying this, it's a part of the job description with the GM to have good relationships with your players, especially your quarterbacks. We'll get back to the Kyler Murray story, but coming up next – we got to talk about some NBA and college hoops and three and out. You're listening to ESPN Radio.